Welcome to the Contextless, the podcast where Lord Dern is welcome anytime. Uh, today is the day we're recording. It happens to be February 8th, 2021, and it's coincidentally the one-year anniversary of the Film Independent Spirit Awards, which if you're not familiar with what happened last year, um, there was a segment in the show where the host, Aubrey Plaza, who we love, she introduced a, the, a, one of those uh, gay men's choirs uh, to perform, and it was like a medley in tribute to Laura Dern, and it just got, because she's like perceived as a queer archon, it's very, I always watch it whenever I'm like down, because it's such a good uh, tribute to her, and she's in the audience, so it's like, Laura Dern, Laura Dern, you have to watch it, I'll link it in the episode description. But yeah, um, welcome back, listeners. This is the first episode of the new year. Well, I guess it's not the year, new year anymore. But then again, what is time anymore? But yeah, so we're back after a m- month or two away. Just a personal hiatus because, again, t- taking time off is essential, especially in these times where sometimes you can feel overrun, whether it be through professional aspects of your life personal academic etc so yeah but now we're back and i honestly can't imagine a better guest to have for our uh for our return than the guest who i have today uh, he is a fellow san francisco state gator a fellow fan of britney spears like the fan arguably in my eyes and just an all-around charming person with like a fantastic sense of humor. It's both cynical, but also based in reality and like very nice to consume. Whether it be through like Instagram posts that he sends me, or just like our week, or just our text about anything and anyone. But yeah, please welcome to the podcast, Preston. Hey everybody. Good to be with you all. Preston. But yeah, because it's been a moment since, well, since we literally saw each other, it was like, what, March of last year, right? That's, Preston, that was 11 months ago. Yeah, that's, oh, wow. Yes, that was a very long time ago, and I don't know um, how to contextualize that. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of those things where like it speaks for itself because I'm pretty sure a lot of people could relate to that where it's just like ah time like you don't even have to state the context it's just wow time exists I am reclaiming it and uh, the birthday in 2020 didn't count so okay okay you're reclaiming your time like representative Maxine Waters you're reclaiming your time I am reclaiming my year Coming here. How old did you turn last year, I may ask? Or how didn't you turn Cause, since you're reclaiming your year? I am 50 years old, loud and proud. Okay, come on, middle age. Come on, represent representation. Come on. Representation. I am officially an old lady going back to school um, at the ripe age of. 34 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it feels like 
I don't know if anybody's old enough to remember Never Been Kissed with Drew Barrymore, but I am Josie Grossi. Right, that's a good reference. I watched that movie for the first time ever very recently, and I loved it. Josie Grossi. Bro, what did you think of that uh, Shakespeare literature teacher? Kind of basic, but, you know, I guess classically cute for a rom-com. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I see that. I see that. I think it reminds me of, like, Clueless, you know? But, like, I thought it was a good movie. That's a good reference, Josie Grossi. But Josie Grossi's cool, Preston, so that means you're cool, too. And, like, you're very you're very hip, dare I may say, because you pretty much know, like, what's up to date in, like, in the world and news and stuff today. I do not, but I'm glad that I exceed that kind of energy. Exactly, yeah. My got- world stops in 2006. <laughs> Honestly, you gotta fake it till you make it, right? And I feel like my 2006 is kind of like 2009. Because for me, 2009 was really peak culture. And like after that, it kind of just went downhill. But that's me personally. But yeah. And so I just wanted to uh, ask what I ask all my guests. Uh, Like, what have you been watching? Like, what have you been consuming? Like in terms of television, music, film, that sort of stuff. I have lost a bunch of culture since 2020 and have really, um, I guess, leveled up on my consumption of uh, CNN and sometimes um, during a commercial, some Fox, just to see what those nuts are up to. And yeah, that's, I mean, I haven't really watched anything that was tiger king in 2020 but so far i haven't really seen anything that's um real aside from the news and i guess something that we've both seen has been the britney spears documentary on hulu Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah it sounds like first of all you're watching CNN and Fox News, which I like uh, admire because, right, you have to get that. You have to get kind of get a sense of both camps are kind of discussing. But sis, that sounds like a double, <laughs> double fake news. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Sounds like sounds like a double helping of fake news. I'm joking, but like obviously CNN is CNN and Fox News is Fox News. But yeah, I admire that because some people are just like very much stick to their own side, you know, echo chamber type of thing. But yeah, uh, you referenced the uh, Britney, Britney Spears documentary, which was done by the New York Times in like the, in a series of documentaries, I believe. It's the it's like each episode slash because I would say it's an episode, right? But yeah, uh, they have a series of documentaries, and it came out on Hulu, and I think it was done in collaboration with FX. But it's titled "Framing Britney Spears," and it follows the life of the pop star and how she came about to be as famous as she was but then also the center of it was how she's been in a conservatorship for the past 12 years and for those who don't know a conservatorship is uh, a legal status that's usually given to elderly people who might not be uh 
capable of looking out in their own best interest. So it was kind of sus for Britney Spears to be put under it like 12 years ago, right? But that was when 2007, for any Britney fan, we know what 2007 was for Britney Spears. Uh, so that was around the time when her dad, Jamie Lynn, not to be confused with Jamie Lynn Spears, which is, who is her sister. Cause I've gotten that confused, but yeah, the documentary follows that relationship and it's kind of like really reignited the whole discussion about the movement hashtag free Britney on social media this past weekend. And so, yeah, Preston, what did you think of the documentary this past weekend? Initially, I was just kind of like, well, I've seen all of this before because I've, I've been standing since like 99 and mm-hmm. you know, just all of that footage was just like I'd seen it in real time. And then, you know, she's had like 20 documentaries and some unofficial that kind of all use that footage. But um, I think kind of watching little bits of it again last night, um, I guess to prepare for this, I think that, you know, it's, it's a good interview that is kind of, um, it's more current because we talk about misogyny that she faces, faced as well. And, you know, she gets a lot of criticism for her Instagram posts, which are weird but um you know that's her um but back to the documentary it's you know we are living in this uh, me too has already happened and it's still a thing like people are getting rightfully canceled and that wasn't really mentioned in any of her prior documentaries so if anything, um, that's the one thing that I guess that I've taken away and just thinking about how many situations she must have been in where, you know, she was maybe propositioned or like forced to do things that she wouldn't have done and nothing happened to those guys. So, mm-hmm. or women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, I appreciate you uh, specifically noting out the role that misogyny played in her career and still does, because that was one of my takeaways also from the documentary is how like the media, especially the news media, and that includes like the infamous paparazzi uh, of the time, like throughout her career, like that kind of 2000s, like uh fascination with paparazzi and celebrities at the time about how like the news media thrived on Britney's pain in her life like uh, in her conflict whether it be with like Kevin Federline or with whoever she was going out with at the time like the more she seemed distressed kind of like the more quote-unquote value like photos of her were given and they were and like paparazzi were making like hundreds of thousands of dollars off of these images they were taking of her. And so for me, it's kind of how that misogyny is kind of let, uh, resulted into where she is today, where kind of 
the the, perp the perpetuators of that misogyny profited prof made a profit off of her pain, but then hold no accountability to themselves as to like her like uh well being or like her now placement in the conservatorship. So for me, it's just kind of like they the 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 dots aren't clicking, but they should be, you know. And another thing I've noticed about the documentary is kind of how, um, because even though the documentary was made with like well intentions in behalf of Britney Spears, I read as one review by this one writer I follow. Her name is Sydney Urbanek. Uh, I'll link her review in the episode description. But her critique of the film is how the documentary failed to interpret. To include how Britney Spears' like artistic output is one of the very few ways in which she like you know reclaimed her agency uh made a statement because that was probably the only time she was able to make a statement was through her work her music videos and such and she made an argument saying how the document documentary framed Britney Spears as kind of like this helpless victim as like she just like stood sat there and took it so i was wondering like what you think about that because i feel like there wasn't that much discussion of like her work itself in the documentary if that makes sense hmm. well i mean i think it's definitely more nuanced than um than we like to think i think that she you know, she's a very powerful woman, and there are times where, I guess, in everybody's life, where, you know, you have weaker moments, and that's when the paparazzi would, you know, take their time to pounce and collect their millions. And what I think it's like, she should be applauded for kind of bringing unofficially like mental illness into the spotlight for you know today's young stars or what have you like to come out with their mental illnesses like you know you have Selena Gomez or Demi Lovato um I guess they're not that young anymore but to me they're still babies they're still young um, who all have come out and have said that they have bipolar disorder and I do as well and it was she's just very relatable so even though she hasn't like officially said it which is kind of none of our business it's um it's something that's in the conversation and a lot of people just have a lot of respect for whether she has it or not Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah I completely understand that and because that's really true on the point of mental health because it is kind of none of her business until like if and when she like mentions it or like speaks about it publicly but really I just during the before during and after watching the documentary I've thought to myself multiple times imagining like because with her like 2017 you know mental episode where she like shaved her head and that whole movement I just imagine, like, had that happened, like, today, 
I feel like it would have been spun a completely different way. And what I mean by that is that, like, people would have been a lot more considerate. People would have been... I mean, you would have still had your assholes who, like, would make jokes of it. But I feel like given how... Despite, like, humanity's frequent assholeness, I like to think we've, like, progressed some... To some extent in these past, like, what, 10, 12 years? But I really think what you said really hit the nail in the coffin where her own struggles are kind of what paved the way for the mental health and just well-being discussions of not only famous people but like of everyday people like you and me you and i just to have that like barrier down so to speak so she did pave the way even though she may have not intended to so i agree with that yeah i think we lived in a we live in a very like i guess more pc culture um but at the same time we have like the former president just saying like the most outrageous stuff that is not PC at all. Um, but yeah, I think that the media probably would have handled it better today than, you know, just like cutting her down at like any, like even when she wasn't weak, like if you watch the Diane Sawyer interview, like she's doing fine. And Diane's, like, punching her already. She's like, so what about your parents? Like, are, are they still together? It's like, you know they're, you know they're divorced. And she's just really, like, poking at her. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, they need the sound bites and they need the tears, but she's also a human. And I think a lot of the interviewers are just very... Um, unethical in their questions mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah in that uh in that review i mentioned earlier the writer also references that uh interview with diane sawyer and or at least in some other piece of her writing where she referenced the interview and she said how like in that interview diane sawyer came off more as like a judgmental aunt than like an actual professional journalist because those questions were very like judgmental or like as you said like she it was like for a sound clip sound bite so i very much agree we're like i just feel like even today that wouldn't be tolerated i feel like just given how social media specifically twitter has like allowed people to voice their thoughts like an interviewer like that would be held accountable today as opposed to back then Absolutely, yeah. It's um, it's a different world that we live in, and we don't have, like, I guess the gossip that we consume isn't the same. We're not, like, constantly looking for, like, pissy pictures of, like, them, uh, like, Lindsay or Paris, like, getting out of limos. Like, who, who cares? I don't mm-hmm. know. There was this in documentary. I think they showed it in this documentary. It may have been the other one. But there was that iconic picture of Britney, Lindsay Lohan, and Paris Hilton, like, in the car after going nightclubbing. Yeah, the Holy Trinity. And, like, a headline on one of those tabloids was, like, what, Bimbo Squad? Or, like, Bimbo Night? Something like that. I don't know. But that was, like, it's misogynist, but also just, like, iconic. Because, like, Holy Trinity, as you just said. But definitely media has come a long way. 
And like another uh, important point in the documentary was the inclusion of the hashtag Free Britney movement, which uh, I know you have like certain feelings about. But for me, I just felt like they're a well-meaning group, right? Because like you compared them to the Trump supporters, like to some extent. They have you said they have Trump energy, right? Oh my god, no. <laughs> oh no. Oh. Uh, what I meant was um, that there's a lot of uh, enthusiasm. That's all. Not that they're like queuing on people, but. I, th- I think they mean well, but when people are like combing through Instagram posts and being like, "How many times has she blinked?" or like, "What shade of yellow is she wearing?" is she calling out for help? And it's okay. Like, maybe she's maybe this like isn't a conspiracy, and they're just like picking at her even more, and this is paralleling uh, what she's been going through. Like, if you read any of the comments, they are pretty um they're not nice like they're just like you look sad blah blah Mm -hmm. and like you know what if she's legit happy and you're just like poking her looking for you know whatever kinds of clues you think are real for your theory Mm -hmm. um i mean but if they're right then I suck but <laughs> we don't know and I just feel like that's um, that's just a lot more in a, of an invasion of privacy um, that she didn't maybe ask for because mm-hmm. these people are, are showing up at her house and that's not cool mm-hmm. yeah I kind I get I understand what you're saying because I, as you said, like it, it'd be, it's in a, it's a sort of invasion of privacy. Because then they, w- even though they c- could believe that they have her best interest in consider in consideration, they're actually just like using it to like validate their own theories, so to speak, if they have any. So I understand that part, but also it's just like the whole like. You also mentioned how in her Instagram posts. Her Instagram is like I also like iconic because it's just there's no other Instagram like it, uh, and I've even caught myself like recently going through her posts that she'll post something new and I'll be like, what does this mean? What does this mean? Especially today because I don't know if you she posted a short video today talking about the Super Bowl and I sent it to one of my friends and I was just like, is this code? What does this mean? Because someone else I follow reposted it on their stories and I was like oh my god like this is code for like the documentary release which was last week and so I was like what but again I just I don't believe it, it was code but then I, I did have to catch myself because it's just like so there is a certain enthusiastic energy to it that I believe is like apparent in the in the documentary which features some of the prominent leaders of that movement because it's a full movement in these court hearings about the conservatorship like even in during COVID-19 last year they will show up like with masks their signs one of the signs which is my favorite it says it's free Britney bitch because you know give me more so I was like okay that was a good one I was like I clap I love a good sign 
But yeah, they're really out here like down for the cause. Yeah, and I think if there's, um, I guess any congratulations to that is that um, we did find out a little bit more about kind of her feelings, her current feelings about her conservatorship. and But at the same time, it's just like, is that our business? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel conflicted because I, I love her so much. And um, I just, I want her to be happy and not just to feel tracked down all the time. Like, people are skeptical of her boyfriend. And I don't know. I think that if she didn't have him, she would just be so lonely, especially during 2020. Like, just like spinning it around in the house alone. Like, at least she's getting you know, her loving time with her boyfriend during her birthday, and um, I'm assuming he takes all her pictures or something. So, I mean, good for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's that it's that fine line of a relationship between, like, an artist and the fans, right? Where it's a fine line where it's, like, there's admiration but then there's also like avid adoration where like it borderlines into like creepy stalker behavior. But I like this. I like to give people the benefit of the doubt because from what I saw the documentary, the free hashtag free Britney people seemed sound of mind. Like I thought they had good intentions. But also, as you said, we must we should still try to be respectful of her privacy because even though no matter what it may appear like we know or don't know she still knows like what's best for her and so it's just kind of have faith in Brittany you know and yeah you also included how we're also been the public has uh, learned that Britney Spears recently uh, about her feelings about the conservatorship because I think it was what 2020 or 2019 where like court documents came out where she said that she specifically didn't want her father in charge of her estate money and like even her own body because in the conservatorship like you don't have autonomy over your own body to a certain extent so i just feel like the father oh, another takeaway from the documentary was the the father was kind of like a sketchy guy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that kind of, and then after I watched that documentary, I watched the one from 2007 that you've apparently watched like 50 times. It's it was produced by MTV, and it's called Britney for the Record. So I just kind of wanted to gauge your how do you compare and con how do you compare and contrast the two documentaries? Um, I think. This, this Lulu one was very, I guess, it wasn't as glossy as the MTV one because you have like beautiful scores and music and you get to hear Brittany talk about her experiences and um, what, was, what was really nice about that was that it was probably her most raw interview you know because they I guess raw on her terms and not like 
Diane Sawyer Roth that she was able to to tell everybody like she's sad I mean and you do see more of like the glamorous part of her life it's more you know you get to see her go shopping and get ready for performances and hang out with Madonna and you do see a little bit of her relationship with her dad which I mean he seems you can either see it in two ways that he's just like super annoyed that she's being like this or controlling or that they just have this kind of like banter of like you know she plays a brat and he's being like oh Brittany let's get this show moving and mm-hmm. as far as her as far as the new documentary is concerned I think that it would have little um, it wouldn't have the warmth if Felicia wasn't involved she's kind of like the cornerstone of Britney's life she's been there since the very beginning and it's kind of fitting that she you know is included in this and I'm actually surprised that she was allowed to that she's not um, locked into any like NDA or anything so it was good to hear from her mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah because leading up to the release of the Hulu documentary uh, several people I followed or at least on my timeline somehow I saw that like that uh, Brittany's personal assistant or former personal assistant whose name is Felicia Culada uh, is really like the fact that she was going to be in it kind of like alerted Brittany France to be like oh this is like out of the ordinary like we're going to hear from like one of her like uh, closest uh, relationships and I think she really did uh, contribute that personal feel of, of the new documentary that the one from 2007 had because not only because for the it's important to note that at the end of the documentary of the new one they say that like oh x y and z were like contacted but they never we never heard back or they denied to speak with us and then even like oh we reached out for britney spears to see if she'd want to like contribute and then it said in a caption it said we don't know if she like received our inquiry so i feel like there was a lack of the personal side of it on the new one but given that they were able to get felicia into it it really kind of helped to kind of soothe that out whereas in 2007 one as you said like we see her go shopping we see her dining out with like her uh entourage and behind the scenes of music videos and like those interviews from 2007 documentary i feel like kind of say it all because of how emotionally raw they were it's kind of like i just i just don't understand how the discourse around britney like basically i don't understand how things aren't better for her given how given that we have that in the archives you know what i mean because like we know how she feels because she was like pretty like sad in it and I was because I mentioned this because I was watching music videos. I was watching some of her music videos uh, last night with my siblings on the television, and we watched the Every Time music video. And my sister was just like, "She's been saying, she's been trying to tell us all this time, you know." 
she's just a very emotional person and that's why we love her she's she just gives us a lot more than uh what we ask for a lot of the time because she's just packaged as this like princess of pop but also she's there's so much to her that i guess that we don't know um and i guess going back to uh, her dad in the documentary like i think it's it is more nuanced because you know living through 2007's news cycle every single day it just seems like she is losing control she's like running around gas stations barefoot crying and like people were writing like eulogies because she was so on the edge I mean for good reason I would be on the edge too but you know everything just accelerates the other and I think that as abuses I guess as her dad his was he was probably the only one who could have dragged her out of that Sam guy's clutches which he really did not seem like he had her best interests at heart because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. she didn't know who she was at that time she was just like a, a really loving mother who wanted to she didn't you know she didn't want to be mean to anybody she just wanted to like live a life and stop being criticized mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that yeah. being said I think like sorry I no, think you, that, go ahead. Um, after all of these years what was it so she got conservered in 2008 2021 so whatever that many years in between she she probably I mean I think that she could have probably worked enough it's not her fault but um objectively speaking I think that's like a lot of time um to prove to somebody like the courts that you're capable of your own finances and whatnot and it it, it seems like a really long time like she isn't like an invalid she can go to target and starbucks and i don't think she's gonna go bankrupt from that she's she's been pretty cool and i don't understand why she has to be kept locked up so much you know it's hard for people to interview her and i'm sure that she she wouldn't mind i know she also hates people but it, it seems like it's out of her control so that sucks mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah because i in in the new documentary they mention how like one of the lawyers on the case or he used to be on it and then he like left where he, like he even said himself that like she seems pretty like capable and independent like there's been significant improvement from like the initial circumstances that caused her to be in a conservatorship and like uh so again like why isn't she independent because they're really they interviewed another lawyer and i think she said there wasn't really like a precedent for a conservatorship to end because when they usually get 
put in place it's usually like a done deal because again it's usually for elderly people but who knows i'm optimistic because it's Britney fucking spears you know and also we talked on like we were briefly talking about the men and britney spears's life and for me i just i just kind of want to get your input on like the justin timberlake of it all like there have been no men in her life that have benefited her at all uh-huh. She has been, I don't know, like, I used to think, like, okay, cool, like, Larry Rudolph is going to, her man, her old manager is, like, going to get her back on track in 2009, but it's, like, um, he doesn't seem like that great of a guy, but he did give us, like, the Britney that we all know since she was 17, but... You know, she did, like, a nice bucket challenge with him in 2017, and she was, like, she dumped the water on him, and she's, like, this is for all the years that you've given me hell. It's, like, little relationships where you don't know, like, how bad was it? And, uh, I forgot where I was going with this. <laughs> Justin Timberlake. You were going to call Justin Timberlake an asshole, right? Yes. He, um... He should kind of be canceled. You know, I my feelings are that she she was also part of the relationship and, and part of like the media presentation of them being a like virginal couple. And he kind of like he absolutely broke his bird and threw her under the bus and was like by telling the media that, you know, they slept together that just eroded you know everything that she said from the press that she was a virgin so and he fucked over janet jackson janet jackson i was about to bring that up yeah just for the listeners who aren't aware um britney spears and justin timberlake were in a relationship in the early 2000s they were pretty much the it couple and as Preston just said, like they broke up, and Justin Timberlake essentially threw Britney down like, under the bus and made it seem like uh, it was her fault or whatever. But it got really nasty in the media, and like there was a there was a clip in the interview where she was like at a press press um, setting, and someone asked her like, "Oh, are you a virgin?" Like the audacity to ask her straight up, and she was like, "Yeah, I'm just waiting for marriage." But then that's just a reflection of the times where like journalists felt like they could ask shit like that. And you, I'm glad you brought up Janet Jackson because again, for people who don't know, at at a, I think it was a 2004 Super Bowl halftime show. Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson were performing, and then. There was a snafu with Janet's wardrobe where a just in print wardrobe malfunction. Wardrobe they malfunction, they say. Call it. They call it. And where there was like a nipple tassel, but then Justin Timberlake like ripped it too hard and then her like her full breast was exposed. And I was like, what? And then Janet suffered like a tremendous backlash from it like her career suffered i'd say her career like still hasn't recovered from it because like she's still underrated uh but yeah justin for like sucks 
and he's an asshole. I feel like he needs to be like, like vanished, like go away. Yeah, he. Um, I think he needs to speak up and apologize, make a formal statement for. I guess on behalf of his actions, Janet and for Brittany. Mm-hmm. Uh, and back to like all men like being terrible to Brittany like that virginity question wasn't just asked like once this was in multiple places that are recorded and televised like in Mexico they asked her and she she got pissed and rightfully so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and again it's just that because it's a reflection of the times in the sense that like society but particularly men whether they be journalists or not felt like they had a right to know mm-hmm. her personal life so that they could like deem her value which in and of itself is so toxic and so nasty but really that's so gross and like another thing about the Janet Jackson thing I don't know if you're aware of this, but, like, Britney, like, admires Janet Jackson. Like, if you look at their choreograph, like, choreo and their music videos, performances, tours, like, even career trajectories, like, there is, like, a similarity or, like, parallels to some extent. So, for me, when I realized that and I saw that, like, they were both fucked over, not only by the same individual man, but, like, just by the media... I was just like, wow. Like, kind of like history repeats itself, so to speak. Yeah, they're such icons. They don't they don't deserve any of that. I, I think as revenge, like, they should perform at the Super Bowl next year. They should. I don't know if you're aware of this, but, like, every Super Bowl, there's a hashtag that goes around where it's, like, it's Janet Jackson Appreciation Day. Like, because that's what happens every Super because to kind of like make up for how she was treated but i'm surprised that janet didn't get her own super bowl performance because that one at 2004 she was featured and i was like she should have had her own like that would have like solved all of this yeah britney britney has never done the super bowl um back to like that kind of invasive virginity kind of question Mm -hmm. it kind of makes me think like what's going to happen in, like, 10 years when we look back at, like, how Sean Mendes is treated because everybody keeps asking him, like, are you gay? Are you gay? Because, I mean... But is he gay? Watch an interview. <laughs> um, I, I mean, everyone's like, Camilla's, like, not real. Like, she's a beard. I mean, she has maybe, beard energy. Maybe this interview will get canceled. <laughs> because we're speculating I'm like, joking but then again I'm not joking but yeah continue um, it's it's kind of the same like it's none of your business um, so I, I kind of get like those vibes mm-hmm. where people do want um, like a piece of somebody that's I guess kind of private but also in this you know the time we live in it's like not taboo to be gay anymore 
that's it. I mean, those are his feelings. I don't know what kind of like religion or whatever kind of like fan base he's trying to come to because you know all these like young stars want to capture all the audience they can and they don't want to limit themselves to just gay audiences. Mm-hmm. That's a good example to bring in because again, it's that thing, it's that process or like phenomenon of there being an artist and then the fans and then the fans kind of projecting their own idea of the person and trying to fit them into that mold and kind of like for that self-gratification instead of like accepting the artist for wherever they may be in their lives because like let's say he is gay that's completely fine but like he can come out when he's like 80 or like or not come out at all because i don't believe in coming out you know because i feel like we should just be and whatever but so far he's like you know shut down those rumors and but he's i don't know if, like you're probably aware of this but he's come out saying that like he gets like stress from those rumors because like they're really persistent yeah exactly that's i guess that's where i see like a little bit of the parallel even though i mean britney hasn't been like everything disturbs me but I get disturbed on behalf of her and you know again with like the coming out thing where she can come out with you know whatever mental health thing she has but that's it's none of us like our business to rush her for that and I guess it's the same for Sean Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I think going forward I think it's just important to note that although we might not know for sure what's happening with either party or like in either situation, I just like to, I just hope they both know that they do have people on their side, you know, that they have people who care for their well-being, you know, and I think they know that. I like to be optimistic and think that Brittany knows that her fans love her and they want the best for her. I, I like to think that. Yeah, she's always been super grateful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now I wanna, I wanna like, just ask you like, what are your like? Because you're, you're a big Britney fan, so I just wanted to like kind of ask you directly like, what is it about Britney that like differentiates her from like other pop stars to you? I mean, her songs are all bops, and that's the truth. Just, I mean, for me, like, I'm old, and she played a big part in my formative years, like, kind of introducing me to um, to that, like, Max Martin kind of, like, Backstreet Boys, that kind of sound, and it was just a really, like, fun time, and... I, I think like 2007 was like a, a big connecting point where I was going through my own stuff and I'm like oh my god like she is like my idol is going through her own stuff too and it just felt like really um, it was cool to have her you know be as vulnerable even though it wasn't 
her choice, but it's just like she is so real. And she's also like always been down to earth. Like she hasn't talked shit about any of her other like friends or I mean pop stars or anything like with all the stuff against her and Christina like she really hasn't like buckled and said anything terrible about her even though like every single interview before was like how do you feel about Christina blah 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 Mm -hmm. I mean and vice versa like Christina gets so much stuff and um they've both been pretty civil which is you know admirable because it's easy to fall into the like spiral of competition especially if you're like a female and you have to deal with like the the whole tropes of being like catty with one another that's that doesn't have to happen mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's true because i've gotten that sense from like the 2000s of like interviews like Brittany would go on trl or something and like she'd get asked about like these supposed beefs and i've always got the sense from Brittany where like she didn't want to like engage with it because she knew it was bullshit but then she'd know like she'd show that she knows how to like defend herself you know like she could engage and like go off but then she'd always know it wasn't worth it and i feel like i've always respected that about her and you mentioned that Brittany has bops and so i just wanted to ask you like what are your what are your some what are your favorites of her like in her discography definitely email my heart is a good classic that's a classic an analog classic yeah i love that one soda pop um i like i like autumn goodbyes autumn goodbye girl in the mirror um but i guess more recently her the like the hidden demo of like exaholic is fun but Mm-hmm. I'm not into Toxic, which is everybody's favorite. I like it. It's just like um, everybody likes it. So yeah, yeah. I agree I with know. you. Like, I like it, but I feel like it's overdone. And like, I texted you, like, as my guilty pleasure would be oops, because. Mm-hmm. I don't know there's something about it just like the beginning of the song is just like you just know what's what kind of magic is gonna happen just by like those first like few seconds mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like at the beginning of the song uh it's the song is oops i did it again it's that like you know that yeah yeah you know i, I can't do it but like for me that song is so good that's like my favorite of her song because no matter how time no matter how many times i listen to it like when the bridge hits, when that like final chorus hits, it's like I go batshit, like the adrenaline starts pumping, it's so good. So yeah, I agree. And but would you say what would you say her best album is? Britney Jean for sure. No, not Britney Jean. Um the best one, that's hard. Um Britney Jean. <laughs> it's Britney Jean. I think um, there is an album called uh, Glory, which a lot of people don't know about. That's a great one. It's underrated. Um, Maybe uh, Britney. 
because it just it has slaves and that's just kind of like the de- defining song of like the world yeah that's that's like that's the song where it's one of those like the song it's called i'm a slave for you and that's one of those songs where like whenever i listen to it i it's one of those like damn i wish we weren't in a virus pandemic right now so i could be like shaking my ass to the song like drunk as fuck because it's like a hot song yeah if any of you like aren't familiar um with the impact go ahead and go on youtube and google slave for you britney the vma 2001 because that was flawless 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 bro we could do like a whole other episode just on like britney's vma's performances i swear to god there's so many iconic moments oh she's the best she's the best because i asked because like a lot of people really like in the zone like they say that's her best album i've heard like a ton of people say that that's a fun one too and blackout too blackout is such a mood do you know break the ice from blackout that is also life Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i like that one yeah and so now I'm going to segue into, like, our second part where I ask my guests where, like, feel free to, like, answer whatever, like, comes up in your mind. But the question is, like, what's something, like, in the culture slash society that you feel like isn't discussed at a, like, a sufficient extent? Like, what's something, what's a topic that you feel like isn't discussed at with the nuance? it requires um violence against Asians and even just saying that feels kind of like taboo because it there's a feeling of like I don't want to be like a like a what about her mm-hmm. as a as you know as far as like there is so much violence against people in the African American um community however that doesn't mean that violence against asians is any less important or that they have to you know compete for the same resources um because there's there has been a lot of of violence hard to talk um violence against Asians since COVID because you see all these like bat soup memes and like really it doesn't even matter like what kind of Asian you are oh yeah audience and Asian um, Chinese it's just like whatever Asian you are like you're the target of you know being hate crimes um and it was it was super rough like in the beginning of the pandemic um where it, i was just like scared to cough because people would think that i had it and as a media student like kind of just scrutinizing what you see in the, the news um in the beginning they just use asian people wearing masks um like in their COVID stories like that and like 
the virus picture. So like anytime you would hear news of the virus, um, you would see patient faces. And it was just like the problem with that is that there it's not like well rounded representation. Like if if you don't see anything but that image, like what are you supposed to think? You know, you don't see like real characters and other kinds of TV. And if you live somewhere where there aren't patients, then that's that's all you know. And so I think that it was irresponsible to you know, constantly bombard people with Asian images linked to Corona. And um, you know, this is this is Trump era, and he pushed for all of this so that didn't help mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but back to um if i like trans asians um senior citizens in particular have always kind of been an easy target um and there have been like 20 or more cases within the past month maybe a few weeks of um, like old Asian people being like beat up, robbed, pushed over like to their deaths. And there's no national attention. Like I just watched the press briefing today and Weeja, um, which is who's one of the reporters asked, uh, what's her name? Jen Psaki, if Biden had any plans um, to address it. And I mean, she just referred back to like the executive order, but there were no specifics. Um, also, like in the local newspaper, they were talking about how Oakland got a new police chief due to all the violence, but they don't mention anything about violence against Asians. and. You know this this subject could go on forever because uh, you know of this. I don't know if people have heard, but the model minority myth and just how it pits like other ethnicities against each other. Because um, I guess the media has also built patients up to be like perfect. Like they just get all A's and they're super mm-hmm. rich, and you know to be called the the model minority. What if you're not Asian? And you're just like, how am I get to respond to that? That's messed up. Mm-hmm. What is not model about me, or like what's so great about them? So there's a lot. There are a lot of um, issues and a lot of tension between um, Asians and other communities of color. Um, so it, it's just like a sick cycle where um, you have, if there's violence against Asians by African Americans, then you have Asians coming out and they're like super, they have like anti-black sentiment because their people are beating, like being beat up. And so it's, uh, it's difficult for them to have compassion or like um, allyship when their community is just being um, 
essentially it's like open season for just like there's no real accountability it seems like it's not brought up in the news at all so it just feels like it's not happening Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. exactly and for for listeners who aren't aware and these like ever since like the COVID-19 pandemic started like last March but uh, and probably even before then but like as of late recently uh, specifically in the San Francisco Bay Area but like even uh, specifically Oakland there's been like an a giant increase of instances of violence as Preston just said specifically like a man an elderly Asian man was like killed in San Francisco and another one it was caught on a security cam footage where an elderly Asian man was just walking down the street, like the sidewalk. And then he gets pushed for no reason by this random man. And then like, we soon find out that that man later died because of the injuries sustained to that, I believe. And it's just this thing of like, um, the way I see it, like it doesn't matter. Like, the perpetrator of that of the security cam footage was a black man and he should be held accountable like he should be brought to law and he put through the uh justice system but at the same time like he could have been like any race and it still would have like deserved a punishment you know so i feel like it's just like just don't enact violence against another group you know but some people are just like just they're so clouded by racism that they don't know better and i'm not defending them but at the same time it's just like anyone of any race could have done that and they still should have been like held accountable and it's just not a right where like these the demonization of like asian americans and just asian people in general has been like a historic thing you know as i'm sure you're aware of like especially when the these chinese immigrants came in like the 20th century and earlier than that and it's just like it's this other it's just another group uh a uh, racial minority group that gets dehumanized to the point where people literally feel like they have the power to get away with like literally murdering them and i think yeah. it's just compounded with the covid19 hysteria that we're still living with a year year after it's just it's a it's like a boiling pot you know and it's just all coming to the surface right now and people are getting killed because of it yeah i think we just don't know each other's histories like i don't think like people like asian immigrants are coming like immigrating and learning about like black history and you know learning that they've been enslaved for over 400 years like that's that doesn't come come across their minds. Like what comes across their minds is that, you know, their family members are being assaulted. And so what are they supposed to make of that without, you know, they don't know really the, the carnage that, you know, black communities have had to endure and like environmental racism and just really a lot of other issues that, you know that have stuck around unfortunately um and the same you know kind of goes for for our community for the asian community a lot of people don't know about you know 
Chinese exclusion laws of like 1790, and, um, the Great Railroad, like the <clears throat> Intercontinental Railroad, um, and it, it there's just a lot to say that is I don't even know where to start. <laughs> Mm-hmm. exactly and it's that's an important point to touch on where like if we just were all aware of like our histories and our respective communities like just kind of draw the parallels within them we'd see that like there's more to bond on than to uh oppose on but then again we live in a society where it's like very like you know like surface level like this man attacked this man so that must mean x y and z so again, I just feel like it's a thing. I've seen this one tweet going around. I don't know if you've seen it, but I think it's from an Oakland official or someone like that, where they said that the same forces or the same groups that like discriminate discriminate against black people can't liberate the Asian communities because again, you, they're both minority, racial minorities. So it's kind of it's hinting it's it's uh addressing that point of like uh not fighting with each other but kind of acknowledging the systems in place that affect both of them you know so i feel like that's kind of the more of the route that needs to be done yeah for sure it's just it sucks feeling invisible like that you know our problems don't matter and and just like even seeing the news like there as far as like how covid is affecting people you hear a lot of statistics but how often do you hear about like asian communities like it's happening like stuff is happening too it's really terrible um there are language barriers and you know a lot of our businesses have closed and we haven't gotten any like of those like business loans not that they're all that great to begin with but there, there's there's a lot that we're not included in especially for like the the cabinet of biden's like administration like there's there's nobody asian anymore mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you really need to have somebody represent you literally to like have changes mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, because representation goes a long way. And it can't... Because I think we usually... I think not... We... I When I say we, I mean we as like a society usually place emphasis on representation... On the importance of representation in like, let's say, media, right? Like film, television. But then we mustn't forget the importance of it in politics, right? Seeing our elected officials understand the cultural nuances that like our families have been living with for generations and then once you combine that with moving to america and just being residents here it's really important and i dare say like it's it's like life saving importance that we need to have elected officials who represent the families that we grew up in instead of like tax brackets you know yeah for sure it's just you know it even helps seeing like somebody like your own face on TV. That's obviously like not next to Corona pictures, but like just regular, um, you know, just being in a TV show or something. That's 
that's not like Asian character. Like I don't need to be introduced with like a freaking gong. <laughs> not that. a gong. But like I understand what you're saying, yeah. That's a that's a good yeah. point. Yeah, that's like a big reason of why I chose to be broadcasting. Um is just to be able to um find a way to increase Asian American representation. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, and like in the time that I've known you, it's been very apparent that that's one of your causes and one of your missions in your career. And I just like I want to applaud you, sis, because like you're on it, like you're really doing it out here. Because if it weren't for your like constant advocacy against violence against Asian uh, people and Asian Americans, and like your just constant push for representation. I wouldn't be as aware as I am now. So like, I'm just one example of like the work you're doing, even though you don't, you might not feel like you're doing work, but like you're doing it bit by bit. Thank you. Exactly. No problem. You're welcome. And so with that, I want to move on to our, our final segment, which is titled pop off. And for first time listeners, uh, this is the segment in every episode of the podcast where my guest and I will individually go off on anything in the culture that we find annoying or we might want to stop or maybe flip side, it could be something we love and that we should recommend to others and more or bring awareness about something to people that might not be aware of it. And so that's that. And so Preston, do you want to go first or should I go first? I can go first. I kind of pop off on, <laughs> I think, um, QAnon people, Marjorie Taylor Greene, maybe, because mm. why, why are the Republicans just bending over backwards for this lady who is nuts and thinks that Jewish space lasers cause California wildfires? I live in California, so it's just like, um, the fires are real Georgia lady mm-hmm. I don't know it's just among other things it's just um, she's insane mm-hmm. and it's it's hard to to watch her and see stories of um, of people being like oh you have to accept her as like a real person and have compassion for her um, any other like QAnon people because they're just regular people too but at the same time it's like but your heart is just filled with hatred for me <laughs> I don't know like it's, mm-hmm. it's hard mm-hmm. yeah that's a good one excuse me yeah but that's a good one because with these elected officials who like engage with the capital and like you know provoked it how like how are you we as like constituents even though they might not reflect they might they might not represent our states right but they're they're still they're still like working for us as because we're all like united we're all part of america but like how are you supposed to know what's in my best interest when like you don't recognize my humanity like you know so i understand what you're saying and the whole marjorie taylor green thing I think just the GOP in general, they need, like, that type of, like, mascot, 
you know, because the former president was very much that for them, like a figurehead or like we all know that the majority of the GOP don't sincerely agree with everything they say, but he gets the base going. They get the bases going and they get they turn out voters votes, you know, so I think it's just like a power grab that like they're willing to forsake the truth for like power. That sounds like politics. Politics 101, everyone. Welcome to America. In case you've been out of, in case you haven't been paying attention since 1776. But that was a good one. And so my pop off, uh, I don't know if you're like familiar with this, but it's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be so wild in contrast, like compared to yours. But like my pop off is on, Instagram photo dumps. Do you know what I'm talking about, Preston? Instagram photo dumps. Go on. It's like it's those. It's a, it's a type of post that people. It's an Instagram post, right? It's a certain style, like you know, thirst trap, right? A thirst trap is a thirst trap, but an a photo dump is like whenever someone posts on Instagram, more than one picture or like more than one post. It could be like five photos or like videos, an intermix of both. But then it's just supposed to give off the appearance of like, oh, I've been living so much life. Here's like them in a random assortment, right? Or a curated bunch. And for each time I see one, I'm like, I'm, I haven't been living life, sis. I've been in my room for the past 10 months. Like I have no post to go. Because people will post pictures of like hanging out with friends, like socially distant going out to eat etc and i'm like all i have are like screenshots from twitter and like memes that i sent to the same two people like what <laughs> so each time i see an instagram photo dump i'm just like am i living life what am i doing yeah my instagram is literally just like all memes exactly because unlike because memes aren't timeless memes are literally timeless and also very uh, relevant. Always <laughs> relevant, bruh. Like, very fast. Very fast. Like, they sharpen our critical thinking skills so fast. And, like, memes hold people accountable, I dare say. And, like, memes make the world go around. And, like, they lighten up our days, I'd say. That's how I get a lot of my news. Like, I didn't... I only heard about, like, Wall Street bets from, like... GameStop memes. Bruh, that was recently, but that still feels like it was 100 years ago by now. Like, oh my god. Bruh, stocks? No, thank you. That's too... It gives me a heteronormative vibe that I'm not comfortable with. So you don't like stocks or the Super Bowl? No, ma'am. No, ma'am. <laughs> no, I am not Wolf of Wall Street, sis. I do not subscribe to that, but like... Okay, like, shout out to those who do, but not me. I don't know them. I only care for the Super Bowl if, like, Beyonce is going or someone. But we got the weekend. <laughs> bruh, bruh, I haven't watched the performance because I, I, like, had no desire to see it. You're not missing out on much. Going back to photo dumps, like, is that, have you heard of the account Days Over COVID? I have heard of Gaze Over COVID. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Like people living life during 
pandemic. I guess so much. I guess yeah, to an extent, yeah, yeah. Because uh, gaze over COVID, like it's just it's one of those accounts that like calls people out for going out on COVID nineteen, specifically uh, male gaze, male gaze exactly. But for me, I was just talking more about like, because there's a certain aesthetic or style that's associated with Instagram photo dumps, where it's like, oh, like. They're very artsy, or they're supposed to be. It's like very Tumblr esque, you know, like those mood posts. But every time I see one, I just personally like I I strive to post photo dumps, but at the same time, I'm like I'm not creative, or like I'm not living life where I have like a diverse amount of photos. It's just the same, like as I said, just memes and like food pictures I made. That works. Exactly. And that's content for now. That's all I need. Memes, memes, memes make the world go round. And so with that, uh, I'm going to ra- I'm going to wind down this episode and just by saying thank you again, Preston, for coming on. It was a real great pleasure to speak with you on all things Britney and just the causes that are dear and near to your heart because they're important. So again, Preston, I just want to say thank you again for coming. It was a joy. And if there's anything I didn't touch on that you'd like to mention or like discuss, like feel free to go, like last words, that type of thing. Anything? Go ahead, Preston. Uh, I don't know. Feel free to follow me on Insta. <laughs> Drop, that at, on. Drop that at Preston. Drop that at Preston. It's at Prestoni, P R E S T. Um, zero N E because the O was taken. The O was taken. Exactly. So yeah, go give Preston a follow. And with that, until next time. Uh